generation will end abortion. My 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 generation. 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 My generation will end abortion.
this morning to lift up our hands and bless the Lord. Psalm 95 tells us, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him in thanksgiving. Let us extol Him with music and song. For the Lord our God is a great God. He's a great King above all the earth. In His hands are the depths of the earth. And the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is His. He made it and His hands from the dry land. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker, for He is our God. And we are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. Hallelujah. 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 Triumph of His grace, You are worthy. 
that this morning. Amen. Somebody give him some praise in this house this morning. He is worthy, amen. No one like our God. We bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name. You're worthy, Jesus. Lord, we love you, Lord.
people believe that this morning amen amen you know this weekend we were just praying and getting ready for service and there was a couple things that the Lord I felt like just laid on my heart uh, this weekend I feel like there's a lot of people who are going to come to service that that are maybe struggling with a little bit of anxiety maybe there's a couple situations in your life and, and you feel a little anxious about it and this could be finances or a relationship or or something at work some situation that's going on in your life and you know sometimes we we place all of the uh, we, we, we just place this expectation on us to complete something but I want to tell you this morning that there's a God that cares exactly what you're dealing with there's a God who knows exactly what you're going through. And I want to tell you, he's bigger than every problem, every situation, every financial issue, every relationship. He's bigger than all those things. How many people believe that this morning? So as we continue right here in the middle of worship, we want to we want to make an opportunity for you guys to receive prayer. So I want to invite our prayer team down front, uh, even now. And if one of those things kind of rang out in your heart, man, come down. We love the opportunity to pray for you, but also... Man, if, if that's not really ringing in your heart, but you, you feel like you need prayer for something else, come down. We, we want to pray for you about anything going on in your life. Um, but let's continue to worship this morning. Amen. Amen. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died. 
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. New ministry guides are here with information about all of our current groups and outreaches. You can pick one up in the foyer or from the chair back in front of you. Life groups begin this Wednesday, February 1st. Here at Church on the Rock, there's a group for everyone. Parents' night out next Saturday after service until 9.30 p.m. Come to service, recheck in your child at Kids Zone or in the nursery, and enjoy your night. Churchwide early morning prayer Friday, February 3rd at 6 a.m. in the Church on the Rock Sanctuary. Come as we corporately pray for God to move in our church and community. Immediately afterwards, we have our men's breakfast at 7 a.m. Come and hear testimonies from the men's retreat and enjoy a great morning of prayer, fellowship, and breakfast. Mark your calendars to attend the EXO Marriage Conference simulcast February 10th and 11th here in our sanctuary. Pastor Jimmy Evans' wisdom and teaching will help strengthen your marriage. Childcare will be available. The journey of life can be difficult and confusing. Here at Church on the Rock, we want to help make your journey clear by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you grow and stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or anyone wanting to get more involved. It's a four-week class to help you learn about the church, get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The Becoming a Person of Influence class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, and your home. Between our Connect, Spirit-Filled Life, 
freedom, and becoming a person of influence classes, there is a Wednesday night class for everyone. God some praise this morning. Are you glad to be here? No better place to be on Sunday than worshiping with your family, right? Hey, in the bulletin, you got a couple of inserts. One of them is this small groups insert. If you didn't get one of those, raise your hand and Usher will give you one. But our small groups, our life groups start this Wednesday night and we want you to be a part of it. I'm telling you, life groups is just really uh, the core of our church. It's a great place to get connected. So if you want to get connected and you need some help, this will help you out. So fill this out. You can drop it in the offering. You can give it to an usher, and we will get in contact with you. And you may say, you know, I'm nervous to join a group. Listen, everybody for a minute may be nervous, but once you get in, you love it. It's your family, and people are praying for you. Uh, to get involved in a group. Also, if you look in the seat back right in front of you, our ministry guides are hot off the press. Everything that we're going to do this spring is in this ministry guide. From youth to kids to adults to young adults, all sorts of things are happening at our church. Also, you'll see the small groups that are starting up this Wednesday night. This is a great place to get involved. So take that home, look at it, study it. There will be a test. Just kidding. But take it home. It's going to help you. Amen. All sorts of great things are happening. Our classes are starting back up this Wednesday night. Our Connect class, if you're new to our church, starts this Wednesday night at 6.30. It's in the Connect Cafe. Pastor Mike leads that. If you want to get more involved in our church, if you want to serve, this is an entry level for you. It's just four weeks. starts at 6.30. You will be blessed if you go. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn with me real fast to Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 16, looking at verse 15 for our offering. But you hear this all the time at our church. Our mission is to connect everyone with God, friends, ministry, and the world. And one of the ways that we connect with the world is going on mission trips. And right now, Miss Linnell is leading a team in Mexico. But we had a team that just got back from Thailand, from Burma. Richie Grant and her husband Dave, they led a team. They went and they ministered to a whole bunch of people. Uh, they ministered to students. They ministered to pastors. They loved on them. They counseled them. They went into the streets. They ministered. They blessed the kids. Listen, when we give our tithes and our offerings, it goes a long way. Somehow God takes our little bit and your little bit and God makes it into ministry and we're able to go throughout the world and our community right here and do great things because God touches that money and blesses people. In Mark 16, it says this, go into the world and preach the gospel. Listen, we are able to do that because we are faithful in giving our tithes and offerings. So I just want to say thank you. And as the ushers are coming forward, let's bless the Lord cheerfully this morning. Can we do that? Amen. We have a video to show you as the ushers are coming. The Supreme Court today ruled that abortion is completely a private matter to be decided by mother and doctor in the first three months of pregnancy. She's the woman once known only as Jane Roe. We'll hear arguments in number 18, uh, Roe against uh, Wade. The plaintiff in the court case that made abortion legal. Here we go, Miss Norma. But now, she's having second thoughts. Hallelujah! 
Most of you won't recognize me or my real name. It's Norma McCorvey. I'm also known as Jane Roe, the plaintiff in the Supreme Court case, Roe versus Wade, which legalized abortion in America and changed our nation in an unprecedented way. Back in 1973, I was a very confused 21-year-old with one child and facing an unplanned pregnancy. At the time, I fought to obtain a legal abortion, but the truth be told, I have three daughters and have never had an abortion. However, upon knowing God, I realized that my case, which legalized abortion on demand, was the biggest mistake of my life. You see, abortion has eliminated 50 million innocent babies in the U.S. alone since 1973. Abortion scars an untold number of post-abortive mothers, fathers, and families too. You read about me in history books, but now I'm dedicated to spreading the truth about preserving the dignity of all human life from natural conception to natural death. Well, we show that today because we are remembering the 44th anniversary of a court decision of the Supreme Court. I mean, the court has made many wrong decisions in the past. Perhaps the greatest decision that they made was the Dred Scott decision. Dred Scott was in 1857, and basically slavery at that time was legal in America. They wanted to legalize slavery in the Western territories, and the Supreme Court declared that uh, an African-American, a black individual, a slave, had no constitutional rights as a person in America. How I many know that was the wrong thing, and it was right to repeal it? Well, in the same way, another injustice has been done to little children in the womb have no rights. Uh, when Roe versus Wade was passed many, many years ago, uh, arguably technology didn't know when a child was viable, when, when life was, had begun in the womb. But it's no question about it today. And as a Christian, as a pastor, as a Bible believer, uh, I believe in the sanctity of all life from the time that that child is, is formed in the womb till the time they lay in a nursing home of no value to society at all. Let me know because we're created in the image of God. And I want to share a couple scriptures before I get into my main message this morning about this subject. Uh, Psalm 139, a biblical perspective on, on this vital issue. And I want you to listen to the psalmist and think in this context of personhood, that this is a viable human being. And eight different times you'll see that he uses a personal pronoun when he is in the womb of his mother. The psalmist said, you, made, you God, made all the delicate parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Now listen to this. You watched me as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You watched me. You didn't see fetal tissue being formed. You didn't see a mass of cells. You watched me. Uh, you saw me before I was, before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Not an isolated verse, Jeremiah the prophets, God, uh, Jeremiah 1.5, Scripture says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There's no question, not only biblically, but scientifically today, that there's a living human being inside the womb of the mother today, but yet the right to an abortion for virtually any reason is, is still the law of the land uh, Exodus chapter 20 is the prohibition for the taking of innocent life. It's one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20:13. you shall not murder. It is the taking of innocent life. 
Now, as we talk about abortion, I realize firsthand that, that it brings up not only controversy politically, but it brings up a lot of pain, a lot of sadness. It brings up a lot of shame. Uh, one in six of us, and sadly I am in that number, but probably one in six, somewhere between one in four to one in six of us today have been a firsthand party to an abortion. Whether we've had one, whether we were the husband whether, or, the, or, the, uh, or the male, whether we were a parent, uh, we were somehow vitally involved. So it affects all the nation, and it's a scourge upon our land. But I want to tell you this first and foremost. God can forgive us no matter what we've done. God is not a God to heap shame and condemnation on us. Come on now. Whether we knowingly do something wrong or whether we were unaware of the wrong that we were doing. And many people live under the, the shame and the stigma. Well, how many know there's no sin too big for God to forgive? There's no, nothing I've ever done or will ever do that's too great for God to wash that stain away from my life. And the second thing I want to tell you today is that, is that we should help women who find themselves in an unwanted pregnancy. I don't want to stand on the sidelines and throw rocks. I don't want to just pick it. I don't want to just say what you're doing is wrong. I want to be able to help. I want our church to be able to help people. That's why I believe in supporting the local crisis pregnancy center. Uh, if you ever get pregnant or if you have a child that gets pregnant or a friend, listen, this is a place that will encourage and support them, not judge them. I can love you as a person but not approve of a mistake that you've made. Come on. Because everybody in this room shares that in common. We're all sinners. We've all made mistakes. And I want to encourage you as a Christian, don't just be against it, but be for people that are in trouble and, and, and that, are, that are in a difficult time. And lastly, we need to speak up and have a voice for those who cannot speak for themselves. Uh, the proverb says, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And it is word rescue that I focus on today. It is the responsibility, I believe, of those that cannot speak for, the, for themselves, the child, that you and I would stand and speak for them. Fortunately, we have a president that is standing for life after many generations. Fortunately, uh, it, it was a march for life in Washington. Two major marches for life recently, or not for life, but two major women's marches in the last week or 10 days. One was for women and for abortion. One was four women and four children in the womb. Very, very different in America. Uh, Vice President Pence attended the second one, the one for life. President Trump affirmed his support. But I want to encourage you to take action. If, you are, if you're a person given to social justice, and I don't mean the social justice like socialism teaches and a, a, a government-mandated equality, but I mean that all people are created in the image of God. All of us have basic human rights guaranteed by our Constitution. Then uh, uh, if, you are, if you are for equality, don't forget the child. And one way we can do that, in your bulletin, there was one more insert, uh, one side, just little facts about our government that we just voted for. But I want to encourage you, there's senators from Arkansas and Texas that will vote on the ones that our president submits to fulfill or fill the Supreme Court. And I want to encourage you to let your voice be heard. There's phone numbers, there's email, there's snail mail. It's however you want to communicate with them. But keep this in your Bible and uh, let your voice be heard. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, let me shift gears now. I, 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 this uh, morning's message is called Rescue. It is, we will conclude this morning the series we've been doing uh, since January, Accelerate Our Spiritual Lives. Accelerate, go deeper. It was a challenge for early in the year, but now the year is moving. We're almost in February. 
uh, in this series, we have, uh, I have tried to do my best to encourage you as your pastor, but also how our church can help you accelerate as you connect with God or go deeper in your relationship with God, as you connect with friends, finding the right friends to share the journey with, as you find your ministry to connect to. Again, our vision, connecting to God, friends, ministry in the world. And it is our act of service, our ministry, that we find significance in life. And this morning, I want to share with you the idea of connecting to the world. And by that, I mean rescuing those that are away from Christ. Rescuing those that are lost in need of a Savior. And I want to, I want to show you a little video. It's, it's, a, true, it's a true video. Uh, it's about a fire in Houston. And it's about a dramatic rescue. But I'm going to use that as a metaphor for a spiritual rescue that we're all involved in. So take a peek at this, and then we'll be in Genesis chapter 2. The raging five-alarm fire at this Montrose Midrise apartment building under construction spread faster than Curtis Rising could have ever imagined. I said, God, you got to save me. you got to get me out of here. Trapped oh, oh, with God, nowhere oh, God, to go oh, and the flames moving oh, closer God. every second, this construction oh, God, worker wasn't sure he would make it out alive. Oh, A smartphone camera oh, captured every heart-stopping oh, second. Flames were getting closer and hotter, and uh, I knew I had to do something. Help was close. Captain Brad Hawthorne, the firefighter at the top of the ladder, positioned himself closer to Rising so he could jump, and he did so in the nick of time because seconds later, with one collective gasp, <laughs> Everyone watched as the entire front of the building collapsed. Rysig says his mind began to race. It was like, let's go, go, go. We got to go. Get out of here, you know, and get us, get us down from here. Like many of you, Rysig says he's amazed every time he watches the video of his rescue. Getting caught in the glare of publicity is the last thing he wants. He says the brave firefighters are the ones who deserve all the credit. I, you know, give all my thanks to them for being where they need to be when I was out there and and basically save my life. Well, how would you like to be him? <laughs> Not me, me either. Uh, before I get into, in, into this message, uh, next week we're going to start a new series called Unmasked. Unmasked, and it's about, uh, it's about evil in the world. It's about Satan. It's about understanding the place and the role of evil and how we, how we resist this one that's out to destroy us. But again, I want to go back to that, that picture of rescuing someone. How many have ever rescued someone, probably saved their life? Let me see your hand here. Yeah, real high. You ought to be proud of yourself. Give them a big hand here. Rescuers. I think I did once in life. Um, probably someone else would have come along if I didn't. But I was having lunch in Bryce's, my wife and I, several years ago. And there were there was an, two elderly ladies come to find out it was one that was the daughter. And she was probably in her 70s. So mom was, you know, probably 90-ish. And uh, it was the mom that was a 90-ish that had eaten something that got caught in her windpipe, and she was choking. So poor thing is so feeble, she can't, uh, she can't, uh, she can't call out for help. And her daughter's just saying, can somebody help us? And nobody's coming. So, you know, I take off my jacket, I put on my Superman shirt, and I leap to the rescue. And, uh, you know, she stood up, did the little Heimlich thing, and she coughed, and every, everything was great. But I say that because... We all identify, whether it's a child that falls down in a well, uh, whether it's a soldier on the battlefield, whether it's someone on the ledge of a roof, there's something about a human being that there's value in that human being. 
Uh, I might not rescue a bug. Come on now. I might not rescue a, a, a critter on the side of the road, but a human being has value being created in the image of God. And I want you to think about the spiritual parallels to that scene on that rooftop or on that ledge. He tried to save himself, but he couldn't. And he said, God, save me. And I suggest to you, biblically, none of us can save ourselves from our sin. None of us can save ourselves from an eternity without God. None of us can save ourselves on judgment day. We need a Savior. The second thing, and I'll develop these points, if this man was not rescued, he would die. I mean, it was clear. You saw when he kind of leapt down to a story and it collapsed above him, he was moments or minutes from death had he not been rescued by someone. Well, guess what? In the same way, all men will die, but all men will stand before God on judgment day. And unless we are rescued by the Savior, unless someone reaches out to us with the saving words of Christ, we too will die in our sins. And the last one I find interesting uh, is that uh, the, the firemen were the rescuers. They were doing something about it, but the other people were just watching and commenting. Now, I realize it was a fire and, and, and it was, you know, these are paid professionals. But if your neighborhood was on fire, if their house was on fire, and you knew a little girl was inside, you would do just like that fireman did without the training. You would go in and try to rescue as opposed to just standing on the side of the street yelling, oh, my God. Well, how many know many Christians stand on the sidelines and hope someone else will be a rescuer when it is actually our job to share that which we know about the Savior. So let's explore it today because there's something worse than being killed in a fire. And let me say it again, as tragic as that is, there's something worse than being killed in a fire. It is being a lost soul separated from God in a real place called hell for all eternity. I'm a believer in the Bible. I believe if you're here today, you likely are as well, or at least someone that is curious about it. But the Bible literally teaches that there is a literal heaven, a literal hell, and every human being will spend eternity in one of those places, and it takes a rescuer to save us from the grip of hell because of our sins. So let's explore it this, uh, this morning as if I entitled the message, Rescue. And my hope today is I might provoke you to be like that fireman and be a rescuer of, of a lost soul. Uh, let's begin at the most basic uh, starting place. What does it mean to be spiritually lost? What's the big deal? If we were to place one another in categories as Scripture does and as God sees us, there are those that are saved and those that are lost. There are those that, are, that are, have restored their relationship with God and there are those that are still on the outskirts, those that have either rejected outright or have said, later on, I'll get right with God. Uh, and the flip side, has anyone ever been lost? Uh, I'm talking about just in the world, hiking, driving, <laughs> most people. Uh, you ever been lost in the woods by yourself? That's a scary thought. Uh, I got lost, lost last year. I was turkey hunting. I know better, but I went off without my compass, and there was no phone service. And I, I, I thought I knew exactly where I was, and I thought I was just going to make a big horseshoe and just be a couple hundred yards from the truck, but I was as lost as a goose, <laughs> and I didn't have any water. And the more I walked, the loster I got. Is that a word, loster? Any English teacher? It's not lostier, the loster. The more lost I became... But fortunately, I retraced my steps, and I knew the way back. 
But when you're spiritually lost, sadly, you don't even know you're lost. Sadly, you don't, you're not even aware that you're away from God. And what, when this man went in this apartment house, that worker, I guarantee you he didn't go thinking there's going to be a fire there today. No, he just went in to drive some nails. He went in to install something. But yet fire came upon him and it caught him unawares. Now, Genesis chapter 2, how did we as human beings, how did we get lost? Because lost in its most basic definition, it means to be separated from God because of our sin. When God looks at us, He doesn't grade us on the scale of this one's good, this one's pretty good, this one's really good, and this one's exceptional, and I'll take the exceptional to heaven. No. How many know it only takes one sin to make a sinner? It takes one act of sin. It's in our nature to be lost. Genesis chapter 2, here's how it began. The Lord God commanded the man, Adam and Eve, He said, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall eat, you shall not eat, for in the day you eat it you shall surely die. Now, when we read that on the surface, and you read the next chapter, Adam's still alive, you think, well, that must be a contradiction. No, it was a projection of his future physical death, but at that moment, his relationship with God changed. A a division came in. How do you know that? Genesis 3.8, they used to walk with God every day in the evening, but now they hear the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Now they were separated from God. They were lost. In Genesis 3.23, it's compounded. The Lord God sent them out of the Garden of Eden. God still being aware of them, them still being aware of God, but a void, a separation. All of the problems in life can be traced to the sin of our great-grandfather, Adam. This is the source of death. If you have experienced heartache, tragedy, if you've gone home when the tornado blew your home away, if if someone died unexpectedly, whatever the case is, these things that happen, the hurt, the pain, the doctor says, I can't cure it. Why, why, why? It goes back to this very place. Prior to their sin, there was no heartache, tragedy, or death. In heaven one day, there'll be no more pain or dying or sadness. But now that sin is in the world and mankind is separated from God, this is what happens. Their fellowship with God was broken. To be lost means to be separated from God because of our sin. Unable to find Him without help. We're on that ledge. The building is burning. And how many know we need a Savior? And that's exactly what Jesus did because we cannot save ourselves. If I could say it this way, God used a Gideon to rescue me. I was saved by God but rescued by a Gideon when I was 19 years of age, joining the military, long hair. I had good-looking hair back then. It was the curly. It was a big afro. My my baseball hat just kind of stood on top of my head. You just wait. You just wait. What was I talking about? The Gideon. I was running away from my problems, but unbeknownst to me at the time, I was running towards God. And I met a Gideon. I didn't even know his name, and to this day, I don't. One day, I'll meet him. And that Gideon shared a Bible, and he shared his testimony about how Jesus can change your life, about how Jesus can give you hope when you're hopeless, about how he can wash your sin away, and he can turn you from being lost into found, lost into saved. And I gave my heart to Christ on that day. See, this is what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to rescue others, not just stand across the street and shout, Oh, my God, when somebody's on a burning ledge. Paul said this about this consuming drive. 1 Corinthians 9, 22, he said, I try to find common ground with everyone, 
doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news. He was your ultimate volunteer fire department worker. I mean, come on now. He had his big Chevy jacked up, his red light he'd put on the top, and he was ready to go when the fire started. Yeah. Uh, Luke chapter 16. Let's talk about our job of rescuing lost people. And lost is not a derogatory term. Lost is just an honest expression of where we are. I was lost, but now I see. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he did for me. Luke chapter 16, Jesus gave us a picture of what happens after death. This is not a parable. It's not a story. It's not made up. It's not science fiction. It's reality. Jesus said there was a certain rich man, and he lived each day in luxury, and at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus. Lazarus would go to paradise to be with God. The rich man would be in a holding place before the judgment of eternity. How I many know one was headed to hell and one was headed to heaven, but it was not because they were poor or rich. It was not an economic issue. It's likely that the man's poverty drove him to God, and it's likely that the man's riches kept him from God because the illusion is that I have everything I need. Are you with me today? Verse 22, the poor man died, but he didn't disappear. He didn't reincarnate. He didn't become one with the universe. The Bible says he was carried by angels literally to be with Abraham. Some translations say Abraham's bosom. It's called paradise. In the Old Testament, before the resurrection of Christ, those that had believed in God after their death went to a place called paradise. Conversely, those that had rejected God, this is where the rich man went. He died and his soul went to the place of the dead. The place of the dead, it's called Hades. It's not hell. There's no one in hell now. The devil is not in hell. And come on, the highway to hell is more than a song. It is a real place. But this is where he, he, this place is called Hades. It's the holding place of the dead before judgment day. But notice what it says. He's in torment. He sees Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouts, send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. He still has a sense of self. He has feelings. He has memory. Abraham said to him, son, remember during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one, everybody say no one. No one can cross over from you to here or no one can cross over to us from there. No one can go from paradise. Now, how many know when Jesus was resurrected, the Bible says tombs were open and people historically recorded were seen in the streets of Jerusalem. And then the Bible teaches us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul the Apostle said, I would rather die to go be with the Lord, not to be in some semi-conscious blissful state, but to go be with the Lord. But yet Hades is still a place of collection for those that have rejected Christ, for those that are lost and away from God. We go to funerals and we think life is over, but I'm telling you, friends, it's not over. That person is still alive, conscious of feelings, conscious of pain, with a memory of life, a knowledge of people on earth. But according to the Bible, we are now either in the presence of the Lord awaiting final judgment day. This is why the rescue is so important. Judgment day, heaven, hell, uh, they're real. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20, near the end of the Bible, it says this, 
Anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, how many know the Bible teaches us that God doesn't want anyone to be condemned, but He wants all men to be saved? Hell is reserved for those that reject God, that walk away from Him, that belittle Him, that say, I don't need you. But they're real places, and one day we'll stand before God on judgment. I'm telling you, friends, as bad as death would have been for the man on the building ledge, it would have been worse if he faced eternity as a lost soul. And I hope you remember that phrase today, the book of life. Because there's a literal book the Bible speaks about when you receive Christ as your Savior. When you move from the lost column to the saved column. Lost to found. Our name is written in a book. That is the book of life. And the Bible says there's also books that record the things we do, the things we say, the thoughts we think. How many know we're all sinners in need of a Savior? Some of us are just better looking sinners. Come on, some of us act a little better as sinners. But we're still sinners. Punch your neighbor and say he's talking about those people behind us. They are really bad. Don't look. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Lost people are saved or lost people are rescued by believing the gospel. Now, I suggest to you in American culture today, most people know nothing about what this word lost means. No people, people know nothing about what it means to be saved. And our conception of believing is often a mental ascent rather than a life-changing turn. Let's read 1 Corinthians 15. How do, how do I, if I'm away from God, if I'm lost, how do I meet the rescuer? Paul the Apostle said, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel, and by definition it means the good news I preached to you, you received it. Now, this word preached, it means communicate. One of the travesties of, of, of Bible translations, beginning with the King James Version, is this word preach. We project it upon a guy that does what I do vocationally as a preacher, but it's more basic uh, understanding is communicate. The gospel is communicated to us. I mean, no, we're all communicators all the time. You know, you communicated to your family this morning. Hurry up, we're going to be late for church. Mom, I can't find my shoes. I mean, no, we're communicating. Communicating is what we do. But oftentimes, we silence our mouth when it becomes to the most basic form of communication we need to have is the gospel that can save a person for eternity. He says, I preached to you and you received it. It's not enough just to hear the gospel or to know the gospel, but we have to receive it just like a president, a present. If your grandma calls you up or, or your mom and she said, I've got your birthday present, but you've got to come by the house and get it. Well, how many know if you never go by the house, you'll never open your present? It was mom's intent to give it to you all along, but you have to receive it. You have to, in my own life, I was raised in church, grateful for it. I knew John 3.16, but I had never truly surrendered my life to Christ. I guarantee you, if that man that was on that burning ledge, if an arsonist had come to him before the building caught on fire and said, don't go inside, I'm going to burn that up in 20 minutes, he would not have walked inside with his tools planning for an eight-hour workday. He'd have stayed away because he believed it. Belief always pushes us to action. He talks about my preaching, my sharing, by which you are being saved. And now he's going to tell us what it is. I delivered to you of first importance, the gospel, what I received. And the first part is Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. 
This is what the Bible says. It is the gospel. It is how we rescue people. We tell them what Christ has done for them, and we encourage them to believe in him and to follow him. The gospel is encapsulated on that cross. Jesus gave his life to pay for the penalty of my sins. It's like I've got a car payment I can't pay, and the repo man is coming. But, friends, Jesus comes and he writes the check paid in full. Come on, and you put it in the repo man's face. Are you with me today? you got to believe the gospel, though. How many know Jesus fixed what Adam broke? Adam lost relationship with God for the whole human race. Jesus restored it. And I want you to hear me in this. This is what makes Christianity different than any other religion in the earth. President Trump, he and Vice President Pence attended two prayer services, one on Inauguration Day, one on the day after. And on that day after, it was an interfaith service. This is when we talk about freedom of religion in, in, in America today. Uh, there, were, there was a, a Muslim imam there. He prayed. There was a Jewish rabbi prayed. And there were Christians praying in the name of Jesus. I can have respect for any individual, whatever religion they choose, but I must tell you the words of Jesus. Jesus Christ in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, definitive, definite article, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Someone may tell you that you can, if you go on a holy jihad and you kill infidels, you'll go to heaven and you'll have a bunch of virgins. They're lying to you, friend. Either Jesus is lying or the Iman's lying. And let me tell you what makes Christianity different is the cross of Christ, that Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, and he took our place. He paid a price I couldn't pay. You, if you could afford it to pay for your car that's about to get repoed, you'd have paid it. But the problem is you lost your job and nobody will loan you any money and you have no recourse whatsoever. That's how we stand before God, totally on that ledge. And unless a fireman, a rescuer comes and saves us, we're going to lose everything. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. It is the gospel. Now, Romans 10 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be rescued. What do you mean openly declare? That is a public confession. It is it, it, it's certainly what water baptism does. It's a public confession. But it starts by giving your life to Christ. At the end of virtually every service, I ask this very simple call. If you're here today and you want to commit your life to Jesus, it's not an invitation to join this church, but it is a pointing to the cross to pray for you like that Gideon did for me. We'll do that. And, and, and simply by raising your hand, by coming forward, it is an openly declaration of Christ. Uh, this is the starting place that I must be willing to walk away from my past and walk towards Jesus. This is what I did not have and did not do as a boy. I went to Sunday school all my life. I was, went to a little country Methodist church. But I never received Christ. I never began to follow him. When I was in trouble as an 18-year-old and had been drinking more than ginger ale and was driving home, just kind of right over your head there. And I was driving home, and I, I can remember pulling the car on the side of the road and say, God, please help me get home. I can't make it. And the Lord gets me there, and then I put him back on the shelf. I mean, no, God doesn't want to live on the shelf. He wants to be the king of our hearts. He wants to be Lord of lords. He wants us to follow him. But verse 14 asks the question, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? This is what 
our, our job. It is the number one job of Christians is to tell people about Jesus. And my friend, I tell you this, you don't have to be a theologian to do this. You don't have to be a Bible, a Bible, uh, a Bible scholar. You don't have to go to a Bible class. You don't have to have a microphone. I mean, no, Christians simply tell what we know about Christ. We are called to be a witness. And, and let me know, a witness in a courtroom is not, is not asked to tell about things they don't know about. They're not asked to make assessments and judgments. All they're simply saying to do is, will you swear to tell the truth so help you God? Well, guess what? That's what we do. We simply, we simply tell people, I was lost and now I'm found. There was something missing in my life before Christ. I gave my heart to Jesus and things have changed. I still have problems in my life, but now the problem solver is with me. This is witnessing it, sharing your faith, and it's not difficult. Uh, we print out these little cards, and I give them out everywhere I go. Uh, I went on a date, uh, when was it, Friday night with Rebecca. We went shopping. I gave her out the whole package of the course of the night. Uh, we went to a little restaurant, and uh, uh, the gal behind the counter, I just, you know, she gave me the little bill, and I said, hey, I want to give you an invitation to my church. Uh, you'd really like it. And this particular girl looked at me like a cow staring at a new gate. <laughs> and, and we got back to our chair, and I told Rebecca, I said, I don't think she was very interested. And we, we laughed a little bit, but God bless her. We prayed for her. You never know what the seed may do. See, my job is not to make the seed grow. My job is to plant it. And I don't just mean cards, but I mean talking Bowing your head over your meal, come on now, when you're out with the workers, simply tells them, this man, this woman believes in God. I'll tell you a true story about these little cards. Uh, there used to be a restaurant, what's it called, uh, Brangus Feedlot. I think they're, they're still on Arkansas Boulevard, but they used to be on Jefferson many, many moons ago, and they would serve steaks that were about that big. You remember that? And, and you get a five-gallon bucket of peanuts and throw them on the floor and all that. Well, anyway, I like to go there, and uh, the gal that worked there, her name was Jan, and I'd give her one of these little cards every time I'd go. Well, about the third time, she, she, she took it, and she said, I'll take it. I'll just put it with the rest of them. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, I keep these, and every time you come here, you give me one, and I just may come to church. Well, lo and behold, she did. Gave her heart to Jesus. She's getting baptized, her husband, her kids. And tragically, in a short period of time later, her husband was in an industrial accident and died. Now, how many know it's better to be rescued before you die on this earth than it is to take the chance that the Bible's a storybook and a fairy tale? Here's what I tell people. If I die as a Christian, I've lost nothing. If I live my whole life and what I've believed is a lie, it's falsehood, if it's just mythology, if it's just stories, I've not lost a thing. I'm happy. I sleep good at night. I have peace. I've been married to one woman for 30-something years. i got three kids. They love each. We have dreams. We have a nice life. So if Christianity is not true, I've not lost a thing. But if Christianity is true, the one who's mocked God has eternally lost everything. It is a risk I'm not willing to take. Sharing the gospel, though, is more than sharing words. Sharing the gospel is sharing the love of God. Uh, 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 perhaps you've heard the saying, don't tell me how much you know until I know how much you care. I'm not just someone by obligation handing out stuff on doors on Saturday morning. It, it's caring for people and showing I care in tangible ways. Let me show you a couple pictures here. Um, in case you, you notice, uh, my wife's not been with me for a couple weeks. We're, we're officially separated. She's in Mexico on a mission trip, and I'm in Texarkana. 
they've been to the Lockendone jungle. They dedicated a church. Pastor Travis and others went down there, and they dedicated this little church with, for people you'll never meet and I'll never meet. We'll never see again. But we do it because we can. Come on now. We do it because these are people in need of a Savior. Then they went to a garbage dump in Mexico because there's a group of believers that are meeting there. Now, can you imagine living in a Mexican garbage dump? Others live on the outskirts, but they come to the dump to try to find things to sell. They might find a pallet and take the wood apart and sell it for wood for somebody to cook their rice and beans. So they're going down there, but when they go, keep going here with me. We're out of time here. They bring shoes, come on now, and they bring all the suitcases can hold and, and all the blue jeans that will fit in there. So they bring the love of God, come on, and then they share the word of God. They say, we love you, and then they, they, in a tangible way, but then they share something that will outlast a pair of shoes. Come on. Something that will save your eternal soul. And, and, and everywhere we go, we just had a team there in Thailand. Uh, I understand that, that for most of these people in this room, that's the only jacket or coat that they have. And we just got some money. We sent it ahead of us, and it opens the door for the gospel. Uh, right here in Texarkana, we go to four housing uh, apartment complexes uh, in the poor parts of town and when it's in not in the dead of winter or the summer but during the school year and every Tuesday and Thursday they go for an hour and a half and do a sidewalk Sunday school it's like a little church service for these kids and these kids just gather around and for some of them it's the only church they've ever been to and then we go at Christmas and we give them toys and goodies and all that. Well, why do we do that? It's because the love of God is going before you come on and then the word of God is settling in someone's heart Christianity is not just talking about the rescuer. It's showing the love of God. Let me, let me, let me wrap up this, uh, this morning. I, I want to show you, uh, conclude this morning's service with a little video. And it's a testimony from a couple of our members about how they came to Christ. And neither one of them came because they listened to me. They came because a friend talked to them about Jesus. So we're going to show you that as we close, but let me just mention something to you. We do this once a month, but if you're new in the church, I want to encourage you, if you'd like to join, if you'd like to be a part, like to get involved, right after service this morning, go to the Connect Room. It's a little room right behind you. There'll people be people there that'll direct you in how to get involved. Because this Wednesday, we start a Connect class. It's for new people. Uh, it's, it's an orientation. I do half of it. It's designed to, to help you get involved in the, in the life of the church. But let's go ahead and show this video, and uh, then we'll have a, have a word of prayer this morning. About 16 years ago, I had had a long weekend of partying, clubbing, drinking, marijuana, cocaine. Went to work on Monday. And one co-worker came and spoke to me about God. She invited me to church, and I accepted. I went a few times, and one particular Sunday, something happened. I felt a touch inside, and I knew God loved me. No matter what I had done, God loved me. I started studying his word, and then I felt a pull on my life, a calling to do ministry. And from there, God took me into a women's prison. I do ministry there. And I know if God can use somebody like me, he can use you too. About 10 years ago, I was not living my life for the Lord. And Whitney Jackson sent me a message basically saying, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. 
and I discarded it at the time, but about a year after that, my life completely fell apart, and I realized that I needed a Savior, and I, I gave my heart to the Lord, and I knew that um, His love completely filled all of those empty places, and as soon as I let Whitney know, she invited me to come to church, and I remember going down to the front to worship, and I, I watched her just lift her hands and worship the Lord, and I realized that I'd never done that before, and in the moment that I decided to lift my hands and worship the Lord, I just, it was so freeing because I knew that I had so much to praise the Lord for. He delivered me from so much, and I'm so thankful that Whitney was bold and obedient and sent me that message from the Lord. Come on, give them a big hand. Why don't you stand, on, stand to your feet this morning, and I want to close in prayer, but I share that video because... The rescued becomes the rescuer. The rescued becomes the rescuer. And they both came to God because a friend just talked to them. Did you hear the first lady? She said, I was partying all weekend. Well, why do you do that? I tell you why I used to do it. I, was, I wanted people to accept me. I wanted to escape my problems, and I wanted to be happy. The only problem, though, is when you woke up in the morning... You had all your problems, you still weren't happy, and you had a headache. So she spent the whole weekend drinking, smoking, and snorting, whatever. And then Monday she goes to work, and she said, a friend just told me about God. And the Holy Spirit used the words of that friend to help her take the next step. See, I don't have to con convince someone. It's not my job to make a plant grow. It's God's job. It's my job to plant the seed. I'm a rescuer. And you hear the second one? The second one, the testimony was, <laughs> I just sent a text message. Or Whitney sent a text message. And she said, I think she said it was a year later. But she remembered a text message that said, God can change your life and he's got a purpose for your life. And the Holy Spirit takes that and holds on to it, and He uses it to make a difference in life. I want to tell you, friends, what we have is priceless. And if you can imagine all your friends that you know and all the strangers that you'll ever meet, there's this huge apartment complex with millions of ledges, and everybody's on a ledge, and the building's on fire. And they're looking for someone like you and someone like me to rescue. But i got to be honest with you. Intimidates me a little bit. You know, you may not know it, but I, I'm shy by nature. I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert, and I want everybody to like me. And and it didn't really help my ego when that little girl didn't like my invitation. Anybody kind of have struggles like that? But you know what? God wants to help us get over our struggles because a soul is worth it. And when you're talking to the person next to you today, nobody knows them the way God does. Nobody knows but God if they're lost or saved. We're all like that as human beings. But friends, God has a plan for all of our lives, and He wants us to be able to rescue people just like we've been rescued by God. My wife, when my son was about 18 months, we were in California at the time. Thank God we're gone. But my in-law's house. I was after church and Linnell had her pretty dress on, pretty shoes and all that. And John Henry was about 18 months and, and he loved the water with his little floaties. 
but he didn't know you had to have floaties. All he knew, there was water, and in he goes. And it was just a split second, but guess who jumped in that water after that child? It wasn't the boy's daddy. It was his mom. And she didn't say, wait just a minute, i got to take off my shoes. Wait now, i got to take my watch off. She just dove in because his life was worth it. Could we just take a minute and, and pray and say, Lord, would you help me just dive in and be a rescuer? Would you help me? Come on, just close your eyes a minute and say, Lord, would you help me see people like you see them? Don't let me get frustrated and mad at them and, and compete with them and just a zillion things. But let me see people like you did. Come on, pray that prayer. Say, Lord, would you give me compassion for people? Would you give me a heart of love for people that may not deserve it any more than I did? But would you let me see them like you do and have the courage to be a witness? I want to have the courage to be a rescuer. Because, Lord, it may well mean the difference between heaven or hell. Help me, Holy Spirit. Don't let me use excuses. Don't let me say it's not my personality, it's somebody else's job. Don't let me say I'm too busy. But, God, let us take responsibility today and do just like that fireman did crawled up on that ladder and he reached out to that man and said, come on, I'm going to help you. In Jesus' name. I'm going to close with a last personal opportunity for prayer. We'll sing one song and dismiss. But in just a minute, we're going to bring our prayer team forwards and they'll be here to pray about anything. Because my experience is, as we've spent an hour or so together, we worship God, we've opened the Bible, and it's just like it's an opportunity for God to talk to you. And maybe there's something that's been kind of stoked up, unearthed in your life, and you want somebody to pray about. Maybe it was in the first part of the service when we showed that abortion video, and maybe you've got some shame or, or guilt or whatever. Let me know it's better to leave, leave church free than it is to come here bound and leave bound. Listen, we'd be honored to pray for you. Uh, maybe it was something in the message. And maybe when you're, if you're honest with yourself, you're a little afraid to share your faith. I don't know what it may be. But you just want to pray about something. And we'll pray about anything with you. But people will be here for you. But here's the most important thing I'd like to pray about. It's a question I want to ask. Are you lost or are you saved? If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? It's a big question. Because according to the Bible, eternity is real. And we don't know when our day may come. If you're here today, friend, if you'll say, man, I'm like you were. I try to live my life pretty good, but there's something in my heart drawing me to God now. I realize I can't save myself, but I need a Savior. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to ask God to forgive me for my sins today. and I'm ready to commit my life to Christ. I'm ready to get my life right with God. If that's you, it would be our honor as you make this great step to Christ to pray for you. So if that's you this morning and say, Pastor, I want to commit my life with God and have the church pray for me. Would you just lift your hand real quickly? Just do it boldly. Come on, just a second. God bless you there in the back, dear. Give her a big hand. Somebody else say, pray for me. I, I want to commit my life. God bless you too. God bless you too. Somebody else say, pray for me. I, I don't want to live lost anymore. I don't want to be, God bless you too, dear. I don't want to live lost. I don't want to, I don't want to be halfway. Maybe you've gotten away from God and you want to come back. Anybody today? Say, Pastor, I've been living out in the world. I need to come back to God. I need to walk away from it today. Anyone this morning? 
All right, here's what we're going to do. Our prayer team is going to come to the front, but you that lifted your hand to make a step to Christ, I want to invite you to come and meet us at the cross right now. Come on, give them one more big hand. You're committing your life to Christ. Come on, pal. Give him a big hand as he comes today. Somebody's going to pray for you here at the cross. Ma'am, come let us pray for you today. Someone will meet you right here as you make a step to Jesus. Anyone else needing prayer, you come. We'd be honored to pray with you. I love you. Glad you came. and Hope to see you on Wednesday night in that Connect class. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare with our living hope. Your presence, Taste it and see of the sweetest of loves. All becomes free, and my shame is under your presence, Lord. continue to worship through this song and the prayer team will remain around front but if you don't need prayer you're free to be dismissed god bless you hope you have a wonderful week can't wait to see you next week god bless you and hope